1: Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 30. 2 Chronicles chapter 30. And uh, give me a good amen once you are there. And so, Father, again, we come before you in your house. What a blessing you've given us this sanctuary to call our own, Lord. It's The place that we dedicated to you, to worship you, to just learn of you, and to come together as a family and grow in our faith, Lord. And Father, we are your people. And this evening we just cry out in prayer. Father, teach us through your Bible. We know that we cannot learn without the help of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, teach us, we pray. And give each and every one of us strength to listen well and to receive it. Remove pride and distractions and any sin that so easily uh, weighs us down. Take away our sins. Cleanse us by the blood of Jesus and give us understanding tonight. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say amen. amen. All right, so as you know, we're right in the middle of King Hezekiah's uh, reign and uh, this young man came to the throne uh, at 25 years old and um, made an immediately immediate impact on not just the kingdom but if you think about it probably the whole world because we're reading about it so many years later right so his it's amazing what one godly person who sets his mind on and heart on following the lord how uh we can have a big impact. And so Hezekiah, known as a good king, his father known as a wicked king. And so uh, Jerusalem has been in ruins. But you know the story as we've been studying it. Hezekiah comes on the throne as a young man, and he begins to clean house, literally, spiritually. The temple was shut down. It was closed. The The doors were broken down. So he called the the elders, the rulers there in Judah, and he called the priests and the Levites and he, he just immediately put them to work to clean the house of the Lord. Literally, there was trash in it. There was rubbish, the Bible says, and they took it out and cleaned it out. Um, there was all kinds of pagan uh, artifacts yeah, in the temple, around the temple, all kinds of perversity uh, in uh, Jerusalem at the time. I was reading in Jeremiah how uh, the the Lord says that on every street there was an idol. And so it was that uh, heavy of darkness in uh, Judah, in Jerusalem. And again, this young man who had a heart for God and had authority given to him by God said, I'm going to do things different than my father did when he cleaned up. And he also uh, once they cleaned out the temple and they uh, consecrated all the, the utensils and such of the temple, he then had them sacrifice animals for themselves. So like the, the priests and the Levites, they, they had to be cleansed of their sins. They had stopped doing these animal sacrifices, I mean, for a very long time. I'm sure there was a remnant of priests and Levites who kind of did things on the down low and on the uh, kind of like an underground church kind of thing. But as far as the way it was prescribed in the scriptures, it was not happening. It would probably, it would probably be a death sentence for them. And so uh, they began to consecrate themselves for the king, for Israel, for the priests and the Levites. And, uh, and then uh, once they consecrated themselves before God basically making vows to God. We we are yours. We're going to do things your way. Uh forgive us as a nation for our sins. I mean just really seeking the Lord. And um and then what the what he did was he uh prescribed the worship. The we got the worship going and the instruments and got the Levites to start, you know, bring out the instruments that King David had made years ago and also the psalms that he had written and so they were worshiping the Lord and praising the Lord night and day and the assembly was was basically those near Jerusalem and uh, and so after the, the 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 temple was cleansed the priests and the levites and then then more of the assembly more of the people started showing up but again it's only those who were nearby Jerusalem that were coming and so um and so many people came in in chapter 29 that there weren't enough priests to skin the animals and so their brethren the levites helped them out and did it until more of the priests can consecrate themselves and so they're getting things right for the lord they're in, in and uh, and god is blessing them in uh 2nd kings chapter 18 it tells us that hezekiah trusted in the lord uh So much so that there was none like him among the kings of Judah, nor were uh, before him or afterwards. He really had a heart after the Lord. And that's all it takes. And things were messed up, but just God is still looking for that kind of heart from, from us, really, to be honest with you, if we're willing to be those that want to make a difference today, because there's a lot to, A lot of things God wants us to do and to clean up and to to seek him and to just watch him do what he does. It says in the end of chapter 29, it says that the service of the house of the Lord was set in order. And then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced that God had prepared the people since the events took place so suddenly. So things were set in order and then suddenly God moved quickly, quickly. And if you think of the order of things, like it came down from Hezekiah, but then it hit the, the rulers and the, and the priests and the Levites. And, you know, revival, you know, begins at the top. It really begins with, with the leaders of our homes. And if you're married, if, 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 if you're married here, brothers, and then, then you're the head of your home, right? You're, you're the head of your wife. You're the head of your, of your children. God is the head of man. Man is the head of woman and both parents are over the children. And God usually starts with the leaders. Is your home in order? And if you're single, you're not married, God is still looking for you. You have authority over your own body, over your own home, over your own place. And if, and if, you hear his voice tonight, know that if you consecrate yourself before the Lord, if you set yourself aside and say, I'm going to give myself to God and really mean it. And really mean it means here's his word. This is what we do. Then God blesses the home. God blesses the family. God blesses the church. God blesses the business. And, um, I believe it 100%. And I'm convicted by it a lot. My wife and I, we do get in the Word, but so, so oftentimes, and I'm trying to work at it, trying not to be too busy to get in the Word with my wife. Think about that. The most mature thing that a husband could do, the most mature thing that a husband can do in the Lord, the most leader of leadership skills he can show is getting together with his bride, praying with her, reading a few verses in the word with her, and just being the cover that God called us to be. And then the next thing is for the parents to then pray over the children and to read a little word to the children and have the home honoring God. That's when when things start to happen. Boom, boom, boom. You know, God begins to open doors because he wants mature people who love him, who are going to do the little things well. What little things? My home is in order. Amen? All right, it says concerning pastors, how can you lead a, a church if you can't lead your what? Your home. And so changes can come quick. And Hezekiah, verse 1, he sent to all Israel and Judah and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover to the Lord God of Israel. For the king and his leaders and all the assembly in Jerusalem had agreed to keep the Passover in the second month, for they could not keep it at the regular time because a sufficient number of priests had not consecrated themselves, nor had the people gathered together to Jerusalem. And the matter pleased the king and all The assembly. So they resolved to proclaim, to to make a proclamation throughout all Israel from Beersheba to Dan that they should come to keep the Passover to the Lord, God of Israel at Jerusalem, since they had not done it for a long time in the prescribed manner. This is an incredibly um, bold move by this young king Hezekiah. Loves God. The northern kingdom has already been taken into captivity by the Assyrians. We've been studying, uh, first and second chronicles. God divided the kingdom of Israel into two, the northern and the southern, right? As part of judgment because Solomon had sinned against the Lord. So they were divided. The northern kingdom went full blown apostasy under Ahab. They began to worship everything under the sun. Just terrible, 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 sinful. And so God judge them by allowing the Assyrians to come in and just take them into slavery. And here, King Hezekiah in the south, the southern kingdom of Judah is still there. It's the lineage of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and the the lineage of King David. He will come through the lineage of these kings. Jesus will one day eventually to save the world from its sins. But this king, with his leaders, decide, we need to have the Passover. We need to hold it. It hasn't been held probably over 30 years. Think about it. They had not worshiped the Lord in the prescribed manner. And so when, when he, dec- when they decide to do this, he says, we're going to invite all of Israel, not just the southern kingdom of Judah, but our brethren that are, that weren't taken into captivity because a lot of them escaped. There was a remnant of of uh, Israelites in the north who had not been taken into captivity. They were hiding out. They were there. And so his, his proclamation is to everyone. It's like, you know, the brethren in the north who had turned away from the Lord. Here's a chance to come back to God through an invitation to come down and hold the Passover in Jerusalem. Think about that. That's just an incredible reaching out to those who had the history of God, the tradition of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but had turned away from the Lord to worship pagan gods. God is still reaching out to them that they might turn, right? If you're still alive in the north, come down. If you want to repent, if you want to get right with the Lord, come down and celebrate the Passover. That's a beautiful example Of what the, what the Lord wants from us as a church, as the body of Christ, that we would be just open and excited to give invitations to those that are lost to come into his house that they might learn of God, repent of their sins, and get saved. You know, I, I don't know what words I can speak to seal the deal. When I'm out there sharing my faith with people, I don't have the words. I don't, it's not a pre-planned kind of track, kind of just say these words and it's, you know, you give them the best chance to accept the Lord. It's a work of God's Spirit, I believe. It's very grassroots. It's very spontaneous as the Holy Spirit leads me and I'm talking to somebody. I share my faith. Only God can, can seal the deal. We try. Lord, give us the words. But at the end of the day, it's the Holy Spirit that does it. But one of the the things that I've always done is invited people to church, invited them to God's house. Come and hear the music. Hear the praises of the Lord. God established it in order to soften uh, the spirit of man that they might, you know, see what we're doing and glorify God and change their heart to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I usually keep it just come to church. This is where we meet. We had these made. We have boxes and boxes of them. So on your way out today, grab 10 of them. And I challenge you, do like Hezekiah did and invite some people to the house of the Lord. Invite them for this Sunday. It's Wednesday night. Just take 10 just give it to anybody at the store. Who cares? Who knows? Say a quick prayer. Holy Spirit, do your thing and hand it to them. Because literally, that's what's happening in the Bible tonight. Literally. Right? And Hezekiah sent to all Israel. And in fact, when you think about um this heart of pulling people, you know, it's interesting how many people have... uh have come and gone, and some have come back. It happens in churches, you know what I mean? God, you know, works in mysterious ways, who knows? Some people go, they come back, they go, they come back. I've seen it, I've been here. I've been here for the whole time. I've been the pastor the whole time, so I get to see people come and go and come back. And there are people who may need a call from you. Come back. People who aren't going to church anywhere. They're just out there, and they have their 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 ideas as to why they don't go to church anymore. The Bible says to go to church, period, in Hebrews 10. Don't avoid it like some people do. The end is coming, and we should come together even more because the end is near. And we need to stir each other up in love and good works. So there's, there are people who oh well, they, I don't come for this reason or that reason, or you know they hurt me at that church or this church, or the, they weren't very friendly, or they didn't, you know, they no, you know, I, I didn't have a ride. And I if you go back to the division of the of the nation, you know what the the king said to the northern tribes? It's too far. For you to go down to Jerusalem, let's do it here in Samaria, let's do our own thing. And he made a golden calf, it said, That's what brought you out of Egypt. It's too far, it's too inconvenient. Listen, the Bible says to bear one another's burdens. That word burden is extraordinary weight. Someone, you know, we're talking. We're talking car crash. We're talking death. We're talking sickness. We're talking, you know, an extraordinary heavy thing that a brother or sister goes to. We're to come beside them and gird them up and walk with them. But if it's just like, oh, man, can you give me a ride? Can I get on your back? You know, it's like, no, we all have to walk. We all have to drive. We all, you know, like the basic stuff. God's like, no, no, no. God knows the difference between an extraordinary burden and just like basic stuff. And some people will use any excuse: it's too far, it's too close, it's too hot, it's too cold, it's the, it's whatever, whatever. So reach out to those and say, man, the Lord is perfect. He knows what He's doing. Better than we do. Maybe you needed to be a little farther. Maybe you needed to be a little hotter. Maybe you needed to be a little cold. Maybe you you know what, what you don't know, you don't know the way God does things. So again, in James chapter five, verse 19 through 20, it says, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. It's a good word, right? God says, man, if you can turn one back, try Give it a shot. Give him a call. Amen? Give him an invitation. Ten cards a person tonight. You know I haven't done that in forever, so... For the king and his leaders and all the assembly in Jerusalem had agreed to keep the Passover in the second month, for they could not keep it at the regular time. And so the Passover feast, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, as they are commonly bunched together there, um, they're the most special, it's the most special feast for Israel, right? It commemorates the time uh, when God saved them through his mighty hand and signs, out of the slavery in Egypt. I mean, incredible. Ten plagues, right? And the tenth one uh, was to, God would kill the firstborn of Egypt. And he made a distinction between his own people and their firstborn and the Egyptians who uh, had enslaved them and Pharaoh as you know would not let God's people go and that was the final straw with God and in Exodus chapter 12 verse 7 and 8 it talks to us talks to us about the distinction that they were to get a lamb without blemish and it says that they they shall take some of the blood from that lamb and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of their house of the houses where they eat it Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Then God said, I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment, God said, I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's where Passover comes from. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And so the blood on the lentils and on the doorposts of the home, that was a sign for God. They are, bless you, they are, they are with me. They are my people. And so it speaks of Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. His death on the cross, his blood shed for our sins. It was the only way to redeem us from our sins, to have the wrath of God pass over us and not harm us. It all fell on Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7 says, Jesus Christ, our Passover. That's what he is. It was a picture of Jesus. And here's the deal. There was two little priests who were consecrated, so they didn't have enough workers to, to have the Passover on the first month of Nisan, which was the first month of the, of the Jewish calendar. They were supposed to do it on the first month, and, 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 and it was passing. They didn't have enough time. Plus, they didn't send the invitations out for people to come to Jerusalem. Not enough priests, the people weren't even there. So what did they say? They said, let's have it a month later, right? A month later, why? Because it's so important that we commemorate God's salvation for our people that we can't wait anymore. Let's have it next month. So there's time enough to let people know and let's do it. This cannot wait an entire year. Think about that, how many Christians came back after they stayed away because of the COVID restrictions and the fear mongering of the government and all that they did. And how it was beautiful to hear so many brothers and sisters come back to the house of the Lord, say, man, I said, that's it. That's it, man. I got to come. It's too important that I'm amongst God's people. I loved hearing all of the praise reports. The Holy Spirit spoke to them, and they all came at various times, right? And thank God that they came back into the house of the Lord, because it's too important. And to this day, there's people who, you know, they they call themselves believers and, and brothers and sisters, and, they, and you know, they don't come to the house of the Lord even now. And it's not a COVID thing. It's a just, it's a disobedient thing. It really is a disobedient thing. And what do you say to that? You know, rebellion is as a witchcraft, is, is as witchcraft, the Bible, witchcraft, the Bible says. So, you know, you don't want to be too hard, but you don't want to be too soft either. It's a serious thing to not come to the house of the Lord. It's a really serious thing. Because if you're not coming into the house of the Lord and you're not fellowshipping with the believers here. You're not learning from the Word of God that's preached. Then you begin to think like the world.
0: Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram.